As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Soundcheck, the stories behind the chorus. This is Soundcheck, and we are joined by the owner of the Spy FM. Ferris O'Brien. On the spy. On the spy. On the spy. And so, for folks that have never heard the Spy FM, your website says you are not a radio station. So, how do you describe the spy? I mean, we are a radio station, but uh, not how people have come to think of radio stations. Not the traditional medium. We're a throwback. Um, I mean, I I grew up, uh, you know, I was a kid kid in the 70s and a teenager in the 80s, and that was the golden era of FM radio. Um, and it was when, you know, rock stations were like, you know, larger than life, and the DJs were like movie stars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this rock station was different than this rock station, and this rock station was different than that rock station. I grew up in Los Angeles and Dallas primarily and in both of those cities uh, Los Angeles we had four traditional rock stations and in Dallas we had three Um, but they all had their own individual sound and it was because of the people that worked there Uh, it wasn't this homogenized plain vanilla cookie cutter that we have today where you have to play certain music because that's what the program director and music director I mean it's not even that it's what consulting firms on on the east coast and west coast say okay rock rock stations across the country are going to play this country stations are going to play this Uh, you know it used to be on the individual basis And and, and traditionally you know if you have a program director in Oklahoma City he also lives here so so he also has an awareness of the local scene. He knows what's down Main Street. He knows what's up Broad Street, you know, kind of thing. So, um, and that influences decisions on, on what to play, what not to play. Something that works here may not work in Indiana. In Indiana. Mm-hmm. Something that works in Indiana may not work in Los Angeles. It's, it, so it is not homogenized. You cannot just, it's not a one for all play this artist and everybody will love it. it. It's really not. I mean, occasionally you'll get those artists that cross over. And that's always, I mean, that's always been the case. Uh, but that's, uh, that was more a great song or a great composition or a, a, a great album, however you, however you want to contextualize the artist, um, that, that just made it accessible to multiple uh, lanes mm-hmm. um, and it, uh, traditionally and I've, I've, I've thought about this many many times over the years and you can really trace it back to right around 1995 like everything prior to 1995 has very uh, 
I don't want to call simple, but it's like, oh, that's a black, that, that wall is a wall and it's black and it's about six feet tall. And everyone can agree it's a wall, it's black, and it's about six feet tall. Since 1995, you can have a room of 100 people and about 75% of them will argue that it's not a wall, that's actually not black, and it's either larger or smaller than six feet tall. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's a really roundabout way of saying that um, you used to be able to, like rock stations were rock stations, uh, country stations were country stations, pop stations were pop stations, so on and so forth. And occasionally you would get a crossover. Like mm -hmm. this song was so big for that particular genre or format that it runneth over into other other formats. Yeah, I, mean, I think of like <clears throat> Coldplay, you know, when you talk about exactly. like uh, they were way more obscure whenever Yellow came out and then all of a sudden people started liking it and cross over to the mainstream. Do you think that it's because there, I feel like there's so many bands out there, so many artists out there, and we get to, to hear about these artists in a different way through um, discovery on the digital formats. Uh, and I feel like there are a lot more singles out there than albums out there. So is that why um, some of these we're getting in, in, in so many different ways and they can cross over maybe easier? Well, I don't know. It, it used to be the record companies wanted to go out and find the next U2. They wanted to find a band in a bar that they knew they could sign that would one day sit on top of the world. Uh, they wanted to sign this band with the hopes and <laughs> dreams that 40 years down the road they'd still be making records and still be selling out world tours and, and be selling hundreds of millions of records. Um, nowadays, it's not that way. They don't want you to. Uh, they want Justin Bieber. They want singles. Boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. They could care less about the record or an album. They just want singles. And they want to pound that single into your head, into your head. And there, there's there's an old adage in, in radio, especially from the, from the old way. I could give or I could lay out like 10 records and then have you listen to them. And let's say you, you uh, love two of them, you hate two of them. And uh, the, the six in the middle, you're kind of like, eh. I could, within a 30-day or 60-day window, if I had your uh, attention with a particular radio station, with rotations, I could make you hate the ones you love, love the ones you hate, and actually get you to develop a like or not like opinion about the ones you were indifferent about, simply by the way I played the record. Hmm. Um, and it what means, do you mean by the way you play the record? Like, would you play in out of order? Like, what do you mean? Well, I mean, I, I would, I would take the, the first thing I would do. I would take the ones you hate and put them in like a power rotation, so you'd hear them all the time. Oh yeah. Sooner or later, your brain's gonna, even though you hate it, it's gonna recognize it, and it releases these endorphins, and pretty soon those endorphins, like, get you. You recognize it. Humans like recognition. We like to. I like to know that there's water in this cup, and it's cold, and it tastes. You know. Yeah. Um, I feel like I should change your name to. Uh, <laughs> Music manipulator. 
<laughs> but I mean, that's I mean, that's a lot of yeah. you know. That was the power of, of radio. It was the power of television. Uh-huh. It was the power that that used to be in those individual. And and again, why like the salaries pre ninety five, the the way stations were. You know, every, the, the number of employees. You know, I mean, there was you know there was a program director. There was an assistant program director. They probably had three or four interns just in the programming department. And, and this the is DJs for, weren't doing a million other things on top of doing... Well, no, because their job was to be at their 110% during that four-hour air shift because they were live. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to be. I mean, there was no pre-recording back in those days. Every Everything that fired was a button someone had to push, yeah. was a knob someone had to, to turn. Um, I feel like, so I, by the way, I used to work with you, for you, yes. I should say, <laughs> for, 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 he was my boss at The Spy, and then I started in radio, and I feel like in 2000, Three. And I feel like it was honestly around that time, 2004, that uh, things started to change a lot where it went from live to pre-recorded. And it, it felt like it... Automation really kind of, as soon as, and I, I use that, that 1995, because that's when the FCC broke apart the Telecommunications Act, uh, that basically prior to 1995, an owner could not own more than one entity per market. Mm-hmm. So every FM station, every television station uh, was owned by one person or one company. They couldn't own multiple uh, entities. Um, and it was a Clinton administration that did the, that uh, changed it? I, I'm, not, I'm actually not sure that that it was a particular administration. It's It was the power of lobby. Um, and these, uh, uh, Clear Channel was was the one that, that you know, uh, Lowry Mays, who was this, I'm not sure if he's still the CEO, uh, but he was back then. And they were a, a small uh, uh, Spanish language uh, radio station in San Antonio, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, <clears throat> That was, they started buying up stations prior to that. And I mean, from that, Clear Channel kind of became Clear Channel and so on and so forth. Infinity emerged, uh, Citadel emerged, Cumulus emerged. And of course, like ABC and Disney and all these other uh, entities too. And they're getting smaller and smaller. But, uh, and all of a sudden you could own up to, I think it's eight market. So all of a sudden you went from this station servicing a particular, you know, everything that this station did was to better this station. They wanted, or this station wanted to be the best at what they did. Whereas when you have, when you own eight of them, you want this one to take care of their little sector and this one to take care of their little sector and so on and so forth. And they betterment, they they better the whole. Mm -hmm. It's easy to sell when you can you can you know dissect that okay we take care of 18 to 24 year old males here 34 to 44 year old females here you know so on and so forth and you put that puzzle and then they you know get into like cumulative audience for all those stations and the prices go up and these billion dollar uh, companies are, are born 
I feel like though, uh, in more recent years, people are fighting back on that. Uh, you see a lot more, um, I don't know, changes in how people listen to to music based on they do want more of the albums again now. They want to go and get their vinyl records at the record store. And you, um, you know, I don't think we've talked about at all the Spy plays a lot of independent local music. Uh, you guys play a lot more obscure indie rock and uh, some of the some of the the 80s and 90s that definitely was not something that was typically played on the radio as much. So you guys play a lot of more, I don't want to say the B-sides, but you know what I mean, like more the the rarities, which... Uh, and we still play the, the, the songs that, that... People know and love. That everyone know, too. Yeah. It's just, that's not, that's not, well, that's not it. That's not the entire thing. But are you fighting back with the station, because um, I know you you bought it. Um, I say the station, the spy name, the brand. Are you fighting back against the that kind of mindset that started happening in 1995? I mean that that was that was always the 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 inner rebel in me. I've always been one of those people. My, my dad used to say, if there was a thousand people walking down the street and you're one of them, and you came to a fork in the road. You know, 99% of the 1,000, or 999, would their first inclination would be to go right. Your first inclination is to go left. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it is a radical thing to do. It's not a conscious decision that I make. It's, it's just I see it that that's not the way to go. I want to go this way, or this way is, looks more interesting. Um, and, um, I mean, a lot of it started, I knew in the seventies when I was a kid, kid, cause my dad was a big country and jazz guy. So I got, uh, a lot of, uh, the, the George Jones and, uh, nice. the, the Dolly Partons and the Willies and the Waylands. Um, but I also got the Nina Simones and, uh, my dad was a huge Nina Simone fan, uh-huh. which is, uh, if you don't know, which really hard to listen to. So you really have to appreciate. Uh, what, what it is, and I think that kind of taught me or got me thinking about it differently. And then my mom was your traditional uh, top forty person, but her top forty was when she was growing up in the fifties, so it was fifties music. Yeah. Um, so I got a, a, a lot of the, the, the early rock and roll that way. Um, I always knew that 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 I liked it. It always made me feel good, uh, but it wasn't until I stumbled across. Uh, uh, Ronnie Bingenheimer, who did a specialty show on K Rock in Los Angeles uh, called Rodney on the Rock. Uh, and I stumbled across it late one night. It was a specialty show. Uh, it, he's hosted it since like the 70s. Uh, or actually, he, he might have started it in the 60s. Nice. Um, but he, uh, Ronnie Bingenheimer is one of, the, one of the very first, I guess, left of the dial DJs on, on American radio in that. He was one of those forerunners on the sun, on the that whole Sunset Strip thing that happened, but uh, uh, and he played the Clash for the first time, and I'll never forget it. I even got chill bumps. Just that memory came back because it was it was uh, it literally blew my hair back and curled my toes. It was everything that music is supposed to be to me. Um, Which is, I, I mean, it, to have that feeling when you hear it, it's you. Um, it's this feeling that, that I mean, this was, oh my God, uh, dare I say it, <laughs> it was, 
um, a really long time ago when this happened. I was a kid. I was 10 years old or something. And I can still like that those chill bumps are because I can recall that feeling of hearing it on the radio for the first time. Um, I, I often say that Rodney is the one that ajarred the door and then George Gamark is the one that, that kicked the damn thing in. Um, I then discovered George Gamark who hosted a show called The Rock and Roll Alternative and he was one of the first American DJs to play uh, you know, bands like The Pretenders and Talking Heads and Blondie and Smith. um, The, the Smiths and R.E.M. and Depeche Mode and Erasure and the B-52s and I mean the list just goes on and on and he had personal relationships with these bands because when they all started out I mean even though most of us recognized all those names um, they're still kind of considered not mainstream. You're not going to hear the talking heads on a uh, Kiss FM, mm-hmm. you know, unless it's some kind of throwback lunch or something. And it's, you know, one of their uh, hits that happened to be like on, uh, um, I think Burning Down the House, like had like a run on the charts in the 80s because it was on the Down and Out in Beverly Hills soundtrack with Bette Miller and Nick Nolte, I think. Was it on Revenge of the Nerds too or something? It, it, it might have been, like, but, but that Down and Out in Beverly yeah. Hills was a huge, huge. movie, mm-hmm. and it and uh, from like adults to like kids, it had a broad exposure. So I think that one might be um, uh, the only kind of mainstream kind of one. So you're you're filling a hole. Yeah, oh yeah, it's, it's it's a very it's a it's a it's a deep hole. It's uh, it's the uh, this format um, to me is is the. Uh, the deepest and the the uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? This format is the biggest tree. It has the most branches. It has the most branches off of branches and branches off those branches. It's this big, full tree. Whereas you know, you can start out with the basics. I've I've been toying around this idea of doing like a uh, spy hall of fame kind of thing. Um, well, who would be my first inductees? Who would be who would be my Mount Rushmore of this format, you know, kind of thing and going through. But you can take those bands and you can literally trace them to other ones and from those trace to other ones and from those trace to other ones and you can make it all the way to something that was released earlier this year. Yeah. Whereas there there's no other format that can do that. Yeah, um, it's so real and powerful, and um, I want people to to go and listen to you. So you said the best way to listen 24/7 is to go to the iHeartRadio app, right? But there's like multiple ways. The, all the platforms. iHeart I is the good, um, uh, is the best one. It's the most reliable. Um, but um, uh, my, that's how my mom. She's like Alexa, play the Spy FM on <laughs> iHeartRadio. <laughs> At KOSU.org, uh, thespyfm.com, and then uh, tune in, iTunes, Apple, Roku, all those. All over the place. So go and check it out if you want to hear some really cool music. Uh, I grew up listening to The Spy myself, so thanks for joining us. Thanks. You can find more podcasts from KFOR at kfor.com slash podcast. Original, independent, and local. The Spy.